This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hey, welcome into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. It's a Saturday morning. It's a rainy Saturday morning. It's a stormy Saturday morning. But hey, we love it. Welcome into the show. Great to have you along for the ride today. Trying to get you up and going for a Saturday like we do every single week. Big show today. Big program for you as we have a lot of great guests, a lot of great conversations to be had. Plus, I want to hear from you as well with 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Candace Talk, as always, every Saturday morning presented by uh, Phil's Coins at 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity. All of your gold and silver needs. I want to talk to the man himself here in just a second as just to let you know we do not have the facebook live feed still rolling on kqam because we are still banned temporarily on facebook from doing live streams so this is what week number three now i believe that we haven't been able to do a facebook live so you can listen on 1480 am and of course 1025 fm plus we do have the website at kqamradio.com and you can listen to the stream there plus you can find the stream of the station on TuneIn as we have that back up i believe we had a little bit of a uh with the weather and with some weather but we got uh, with the uh, storms and stuff that may have gone through overnight. So we got that all up and rolling for you and uh, appreciate you hanging out with us today. Phil Martinez, Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. We do this at the end of every single month to get the latest and greatest on what's going on in the gold and silver market, which we talked a couple of days ago, and it seems like it's kind of a buying frenzy right now. Phil, how are you, my friend? Like beef in the water, the great whites are moving in. I That's mean, what we it do. is crazy. It's a wild market right now. I've been watching. It's been fun to watch the stock market, which since the beginning of the year and the transfer of administrations, the stock market has taken a major plumb down, which is very, I mean, this last week, especially, I mean, the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ, the S&P, they all like closed. It was the worst, I guess, month for them um, since October of last year as things started to go a little wayward. But gold and silver trying to hang in there. I mean, it's really not taking a deep dive right now. And with how many people are buying it, you would think it'd be skyrocketing right now, wouldn't it? Well, that's what you'd think. But at the same time, there's, you know, it's not just our shop because I'm talking to everybody else all over the United States. There's places I can't even place orders with. They won't take, they've already sold so much product in advance. Wow. They will not sell anymore. Uh, gold I'm buying uh, is two to three weeks out. The silver I'm buying is, Last time I talked to him was at least a month out. Really? I mean, I'm supposed to get like 2,500 ounces today from one place out of Texas. But it's crazy. I mean, you know, but, you know, this is just a start. Yeah. I mean, you know, now gold was up at uh, 18, like 1850, 60, 70, somewhere in that range. Sure. Gold broke 27 yesterday and stayed above 27 to the close of markets. So that's encouraging. I mean, I, I had an employee the other day go, or yet, well, it was yesterday, matter of fact, and he goes, man, gold's sure doing well and silver's not doing very well. And I says, what, what are you looking at? <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, think about it. About two years ago, year and a half to two years ago, the ratio to gold was 121 to one. Yeah. So it took 121 ounces to equal one ounce of gold money-wise. Today, the ratio is 67. I said, so you stop and think about it. We had $15 silver, and now it's $27. Silver's almost doubled, and gold was high enough that 
you know, actually it's kind of come down a little bit. So, you know, the ratio is 60, about 67 to one, the short traders, you've got six banks that are short trading. Uh, I didn't read this. I got this hearsay from one of my employees that read it somewhere, but the six banks are down about $71 million, million or billion million. I think $71 million in lost and Chase Stanley Morgan, the largest bank in America, has got long contracts to go long on silver. So there's only six banks trying to hold it back. And if silver breaks $30, uh, they're, I think they're going to cave because at that point, you're going to just continue to take the loss. So, you know, everything I read, you know, I've been predicting for four, uh, three years by the end of this year before, but I've been, I've been predicting for th- at least three years ago that by the end of this year, by between between now and December, sure. I predict that gold will hit between fifteen and hundred dollars an ounce. Silver, yes. Wow. I mean, if you're and if you're looking, you know, if you if you look at the numbers, I mean, if if gold goes to just two thousand dollars, which they're telling me it's going to go to twenty seven to thirty five, so if gold hits two thousand dollars and you get a twenty to one ratio, which is in theory very quite possible right now, then you're at a hundred dollars. Sure. I mean, I've, I calculated twenty to one yesterday, the other day, and it's still like almost ninety dollars. Wow. So silver is so far undervalued, and right now we're using we're using it faster than we're we're using it. Ninety percent of everything being mined is being used. Yeah, and so everything. I mean, if you get out there and read anything about silver and Ted Butler and some of those guys that are writing this stuff out there, <laughs> um, and uh, I had a guy the other day. I don't know where he read it, but he said, "All you got all these big Wall Street people now starting to realize that silver is way too cheap." And so he was reading that all, a bunch of these Wall Street people are going to start to get in, and at that point they'll go, they'll they'll push it up to probably a hundred, maybe even a hundred and a quarter, and then at that point they'll stop, they'll back their support off, they'll go short, it'll come back down, they'll make money going up, make money going down, and and then when we all and we all know that when you start to get into inflationary periods, even the banks buy silver and gold because they know when you start to see inflation. Silver and gold will keep up with inflation. Right. And and so, you know, so like I tell people, if the bank is smart enough to do it, why aren't we? It's a good I mean, question. You know, you, know, you, see somebody, question. you see somebody like, you know, these, is that why you uh, is that why you're seeing so many people mass rush into the store right now? Because, I mean, we talked a little bit a couple of days ago and you had mentioned about how it's hard to keep stock in you know, it, in your stock right now, it's hard to keep actually inventory in there because so many people are coming in. It's a buying frenzy right now. I don't know if anybody's coming in to try and sell anything at all right now, too. A little bit. A little bit, but I'm sure that it's uh, not the most equal ratio right now of buying and selling. No. So is that why, or why are so many people coming in right now? I don't. Everything I hear is they're scared to death of the economy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had one guy that called. He was talking about selling a million dollars worth of stock and buying a million dollars worth of gold. Wow. And just wanted to know if we can handle it. And I made a phone call, and if they want to do a million dollars, I can take care of that. Which is may have to do. I may have to set it up and ship it because <laughs> they can only ship so many ounces. Now they may actually send a, a Brinks truck from Texas to deliver it because that's how they do those kind of transactions. And then I have to have my own security at the bank to carry it from the Brinks truck in, and then put it in a safety deposit box or wherever he wants to put it. And I don't think he can put it in a safety deposit box. So, yeah. but, but, but it, but it's, but it's crazy. I mean, they're, they're pulling money out of the banks, right? And left, they're closing out 401ks or closing out IRA accounts. Um, you know, and if you think ba- things are bad now, you wait a couple of, you, in the next two years, 
They talk about how bad unemployment is. In the next two years, your unemployment will double from where it is right now, I believe. Yeah, well, because I don't because think they're, laying, I mean, sure. they're laying everybody off. They are. I don't think it's going to take a full two years. I mean, between the massive spending bills that they're doing that's going to raise the inflation, that's going to lower the value of the dollar, that's going to help gold and silver right there. Then you have potentially more shutdowns once this new strain of the virus comes back out. They're yeah. going to shut everything down again. That's going to help hurt the unemployment. And I think we are on the track this year, just this year alone, right. for a really rough year that's going to make these things more more valuable uh, and whether you have the opportunity to get silver and gold, which you don't have to do a million dollar transaction. You can go in and get a twenty dollar, you know, silver I, round, can't you? Yeah. Well, or, oh, I guess it's thirty dollars silver round yeah. now. But yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got people. I've got one guy comes in every Friday, comes in, sets down, wants to know how what a silver buffalo is, and he visits a little bit. And he buys one, and he bought a little bit of junk silver this last week, and and he leaves and. And so every week he's there and I've got people coming in, you know, I had a lady walk in the other day and I went and got her two rounds and a 10th ounce gold Eagle. Yeah. That's what she buys every month. Can't talk her into junk silver, but that's, and I, but that's just what she does. Explain the junk silver again for those that maybe haven't heard us talk about that in the past. The junk silver is, well, it's, it's called junk silver. It's called constitutional silver. There's a lot of different names for it. It's basically dimes, quarters and halves. 1964 and earlier, and they're 90% silver. And if you have a, the exact number, basically is a dollar 38. I just tell everybody a dollar 40 for simplicity. So if you have a dollar 40, whether it be dimes, quarters, or halves, and it totals a dollar 40, you have one ounce of silver. And what I tell everybody, if you're looking at a barter economy, and you go into the grocery store and they don't want your dollars, and you go, well, uh, how much silver is this? It's half ounce. Well, if you don't have any junk silver, you're going to have to give them an ounce if the store can't make change. So, right. you know, so you got to give them an ounce for a half ounce. You lost a half an ounce. But if you got a dollar forty, half of that would be a half ounce would be seventy cents. A quarter ounce would be thirty five cents. And so, you know, and I've got people that's all they buy is junk. Yeah, I mean that's that's all they buy. I had a guy come in the store the other day and bought forty thousand dollars worth. I had another guy come in uh, two days ago, one buy fifty thousand dollars worth, and I told him I said. I can probably have it here tomorrow. I said, I've got some at the, uh, in the bank I'd have to go get mm -hmm. and bring it in. And then with what I have, I can, I can, I can fill that order. And then I'm going to have to order it back in. And it's going to take me a month to get it. Right. And I think he heard he had to wait a month to get it. And when he said, I'll be back this afternoon, he left and come back. So if that's what he heard, I mean, cause I'm sorry, there's no silver in town. Wow. I mean, my, my competition, I had, I, I get, I get almost one person a day coming in the shop going, we were at such and such's. They don't have any silver. They don't have any gold. And I, we can't believe you've got, right now I'm down to about 60, 70 ounces of gold, and I'm down to, let's see, 8,000, 9,000, 10,000. I'm, I'm, I'm down to about 11,000 ounces of silver, which is down 10,000 ounces. Matter of fact, I got, I got 9,500 ounces on order, so I am down almost 10,000 ounces. But we saw this coming. We've been, putting we've been buying silver with every spare penny we've got and stockpiling it. So that when this run come, we would be ready, and we are ready right now. I have more, I have more silver and gold than probably all the coin shops in Kansas put together. You're prepared. Ready I'm prepared. That's I right. Mean, I, I saw it coming. The Boy Scout, be prepared. The writing's on the wall. <laughs> I like it. Let's go ahead and take a break here. We're talking with Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins, ninety three forty four West Central Avenue. When we come back, there is a coin and stamp show coming up at the end of this month. Uh, which I, February being as we go into the February, February 19th and 20th. We'll talk about that, where to go and what to see there, because I went to one of those and it's a blast. I love it. And 
uh, I end up spending way too much money because it's really a lot of fun. So you'll have to go and check that one out. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Plus, we'll talk about any of questions that you may have when it comes to your gold and silver as well. It's Kansas Talk presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, opening up in roughly, oh, about 10, 12 minutes or so right now and uh, until 2.30 this afternoon. It's Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, KQAM. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. 23 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us here on a Saturday morning. Hanging out with Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. I need to get back into the routine. Before I moved, I was trying to come in and, you know, like once a paycheck or once a month, yeah. go in and buy just like, you know, one or two silver rounds. And I need to get back into that habit because uh, it seems like it's going to be going up here soon and i need to kind of prepare a little bit i have i don't know how many i have i, I love the by the way your little uh plastic containers where i can put the rounds in it fits perfectly in there and uh, you get to, it's easy to stash it's kind of nice that's what i tell people about rounds it comes with plastic tubes and you can it stores very easily yes. you stand them up or lay them down they'll stop they're stackable they're right there they're Absolutely. ready to go i love it and speaking of so i still love one of the coolest things we have and we show it to like everybody that comes over is uh is the ancient coin that we yeah. got from you and we got it at the coin and stamp show a couple of years ago and it's so cool because it's i believe it's 100 bc is when uh you know when that one was uh, a roman coin or something and you had it at the coin show and we saw it, and i i always thought those were like super crazy like elite and expensive and like very rare to get and uh it was really kind of cool so we got one of those and it's kind of our talking piece now when we have people come over for a dinner or something yeah. and it's like hey check this out we got this from phil Co <laughs> phil's coins yeah it's kind of yeah. neat so you are you gonna have those at the coin show coming up here soon maybe i had two the other day and some guy he bought one i'll probably down to one wow one. i mean that was part of a collection which some guy walked in and we bought like like a hundred pieces <laughs> i mean you know but at the same time i mean somebody some guy came in one day and sold us like two or three hundred pieces and they were all low grade and we put them in a box at the show and we sold them for a dollar a piece yeah you could come in and pick up a little scroungy ancient coin but it was pretty rough i mean it wasn't very very big and they were pretty rough but we, we sold them for it's a dollar an a piece coin. and some dealer come over and he goes what would you take for the whole box and i said 75 cents <laughs> and he bought the whole box oh so some guy man. walking around the show comes back and he goes I want about 10 of those ancients. And I said, you need to go talk to that guy over there because he just bought all of them. He so, just bought you know, all of them. Yeah. No, I love it. I, I, I love, I'm a history buff anyways. And to see something like that, it's how many beers did this coin actually purchase, you know, throughout thousands yeah. of years? Like how many pints did this have? You know, it's kind of neat. Yeah. So it's really cool. But a coin stamp show coming up February 19th and 20th. It's at Cessna Activity Center. 2744 George Washington Boulevard. Talk about what all is going to be there. You know, a number of booths, kind of the stuff that you could see there, coins and stamps. Um, so it's going to be kind of a, a, a neat show. Yeah. It's like an I, annual I, thing, I, isn't I it? Talked, I talked to Ralph Lott yesterday, and I, I think he told me they were going to have somewhere around 20 tables. Okay. 25, maybe it was maybe 30 days. I guess, take it back. I think he told me 35 tables. Okay. About half of them was going to be coins, and half of them would be stamps and postcards. Very good. So, I mean, you know, if it's there's a little bit for everybody. Uh, the parking is free, free admission. Uh, you want to come in, just walk around, browse. We'd love to have you. Good place to bring the kids. 
just kind of, you know, they got a good deal. Uh, I tell my people, if you're going to go to the show and you've never been to a show before, take only the cash you can afford to spend. Because <laughs> if you do not, do not take a credit card. Do not take a checkbook. Only take the cash you can spend. Otherwise, you're going to spend a whole lot more money than you're planning on spending. I mean, I have people come to my shop and they're amazed at all the inventory we carry. And it's, they go, wow. And I said, we well, multiply this by about 20 times. And I said, then it really gets crazy. And they, so they go to the show and the guy comes in and he goes, went to the show. Mm-hmm. I didn't listen to you. Yep. I used my credit card. Yep. I wrote checks. I spent three times as much money as I should have spent. Now what am I going to do? And I said, I told you. I told you. I mean, That's right. It, you know, I mean, I. Well, see, I always, everything we do is about the customers, not about us. Well, my problem is is that we, you know, doing the Dave Ramsey thing, we try and not use cards at all anyway, so we yeah. have all cash. So all yeah. of my cash is in my wallet, then I see it. I'm like, oh, well, well, I don't need to pay that student loan. I can just get some silver. You know, why not? Well, you may not have to pay your student loan much longer. That is true. I you'll mean, come on. Money for, you'll have more money for silver and gold. Come on, AOC. You can write off that student loan for me. I'd be yeah. so happy. I can just buy some silver. Well, my only question to that is if they're going to pay off or cancel the student loans, are they going to reimburse the people that paid for their college? No, of course that not. That did it the old-fashioned way, that did it the right way, that didn't expect the government to take care of them? I mean, they complain about, they, they complain about the cost of college. And the only reason the cost of college is as high as it is is because the government keeps loaning these kids money and they keep pumping it into the colleges and they raise their fees and raise their price and raise their price and raise their price because they know the government is never going to stop putting this money out yep. and these kids are just going to keep on borrowing this money and it doesn't work out that way. If the government would quit loaning money to go to college, a lot of these kids would go to college. Some of them wouldn't go to college, but... Right. But a lot of them would still go to college, but the price would drop astronomically because it's just economics. You got less people coming in. You don't need as many professors. And as long as the government's not footing this. So, you know, the kids want to complain about the cost of college. The government did that for you, people. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the government does a lot of things that screws up the economy and screws up value of things. But uh, for sure, I mean, the, the student loans and the debt is definitely a problem. But this is a way to invest in the future, because now you have things for maybe an emergency fund or those collector items that you want, or it's just really cool to be able to get the silver and gold that you actually need. Again, we got about a minute left for you have to wrap up here, but February 19th and 20th, the Coin and Stamp Show uh, Friday. It is from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Saturday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Cessna Activity Center. Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. You guys are about ready to open up, so I guess it's time for you to head on over to the shop. All right. Well, you got all you people out there. I'll be blessed. Uh, it's always good to talk to you, Phil, and uh, you can visit them online at philscoins.com as well. We'll do it again here in a few weeks. What do you say? Oh, Lord. Yeah, there we go. Got to keep you active, keep you busy. Got to take go. a break. Bottom of the hour news here on Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay tuned. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. 
Welcome back in the Kansas Talk. It is a Saturday. It is 3, uh, 9.34 in the morning. So great to have you along for the ride today. Trying to get you up and going today. Even though it is dreary, it is rainy. It feels kind of nice, though, as it's in the 40s here for a into January, into February. This is supposed to be like the peak of wintertime, isn't it? But, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> so not to, uh, although, you know, thanks global warming, I guess, maybe. Warming it up, making it all nice and toasty at 40, 50 degrees today. For a February, maybe spring has come early to the state of Kansas. Open lines to you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK, uh, presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. They are officially open now until 2.30 this afternoon. Phil Martinez was just in the studio with us. We appreciate him very much. Always good to chat with him once a month to talk about the gold and silver market. Big show lined up for you today at the top of next hour. We have we sat down just a few days ago with Scott Schwab, our Kansas Secretary of State, and last week we had some calls discussing the issue with Tabitha Lehman, our election commissioner for Sedgwick County, and her uh, going to the wayside and not being uh, re-chosen with Scott Schwab, so uh, to be our com- county commissioner, county election commissioner. So uh, we'll talk about that. I did ask him about that situation, so we'll get his thoughts on that. Plus, we'll talk about the COVID nineteen pandemic, how it's affected small business in the state. Plus, recapping the election overall from November in the state of Kansas. So we had a really great conversation with Secretary of State Scott Schwab. We'll play that at the top of next hour to kick off hour number two. Until then, until then. I am open lines to you, so let's go ahead and jump to them here, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Well, Andy. What's happening, sir? How are we doing? Oh, man. I, I got a half a mind. I'm over here at McDonald's, you know, having my coffee and listening to the radio, listening to your show. I tell you, man, I got half a mind to go home and go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of dreary today, isn't it? That rain just makes you want to curl back up. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I, I was late getting up, man. I just laid there, and I said, well... Crying out loud, man! It's almost nine o'clock. Time to get up already. So, <clears throat> well, Andy, it finally happened to me. Uh oh! What finally happened? I got caught in one of those uh, uh, drive-through pay it backwards scams. A pay it backwards scam? Uh oh! What'd you do? Well, here's the deal. You know, I, I was uh, <clears throat> I decided that I would go to Chick Fil A for breakfast because I'd never been there. I wanted to show my support for that big uh, controversy they went through several years ago. <laughs> Better late than never, huh? So <clears throat> I got the radio on, and uh, I, I hear about the uh, uh, the pandemic, and I, I'm, I'm just sick and tired of hearing about it every day, you know, uh, <clears throat> especially the uh, daily body count. So I get in the mood. I'm not in a bad mood, but I'm really angry with China, you know, and uh, just incensed, feeling cynical. And now, remember, that's to... that's now a hate crime. Joe Biden wanted to sign that executive order make uh, to ban the word China virus. So, I mean, now that's just insensitive if you mention it from China. Well, I, I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking, Lord, if I see a Chinaman walking down the street, I'm not just going to run him over. I'm gonna plow him under. Now, 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 and, and that's that's the thing. I mean, here's here's the deal. I mean, the China virus obviously did come from China, but it doesn't have anything to do with Chinese individuals. So you know, I I, I have to say that I still really enjoy my Chinese food. Yeah, I know. But anyway, so I get over to uh, I get over to Chick Fil A over there on Ridge Road. I could not believe the line on the drive-through. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking. <clears throat> 
gee, Lord, I hope I don't run out of gas before I get my food. <laughs> you know, as if it would be his fault if I did. And well, I see this car. There's this car sitting in front of me, and there's these two 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 women in there, and I I can't see what I. I can't see what they look like, so I start thinking to myself, eh, it doesn't matter. They're probably fat anyway. And prob- probably, John, uh, John, what probably are you doing? gay. Yeah, that's right. They're <laughs> fat, gay, and married. Lord! You're in a you're in a mood today. You're in a mood today. I tell you what. Now here's the thing. I think it's kind of ironic that as we continue this pandemic, uh, nationwide, but in the state especially, the story from the Topeka Capital Journal showed that the number of positive cases has gone down, and the smallest increase in COVID nineteen cases since the month of October. I find that ironic because isn't that conveniently the same time the CDC came out and the World Health Organization came out and said that we don't need to be testing as much because we've been getting too many false positive tests so we need to back off on some of the testing and now we've backed off on some of the testing at the same time that the state's coming out and saying that we have a smaller amount of positive cases i just find that kind of ironic well there's going to be a lot of irony coming up over the next couple of years believe me so uh we'll get to that but uh so so i finally ordered my food seven bucks i get up to the window to go to hand the uh, cashier my money, and he and he says, "Oh, that's okay, sir. Uh, the two women in the car in front of you paid for your meal." And I was like, "What? Wow! Oh man! Oh Lord! Oh, please forgive me for my for my <laughs> rotten attitude this morning." <laughs> there and you then, go. And then he says, uh, "You don't have to, but would you like to pay for the uh, people's uh, uh, meal uh, behind you?" And I said. <clears throat> Uh oh! How much is it? Thirty dollars? What? Hell no! Thirty dollars? Wow! Mine only cost. Whiz man, <clears throat> who started this scandal anyway? Wow! <laughs> you know, I really enjoy those. We used to there used to be a lot of different places that would do the pay it forward and would buy the meal in front of you kind of thing in kind of a nice gesture. So that's nice. So you ended the rail of the nice gesture of the morning, but I would I for I would be with you for thirty bucks there. That's uh, that's a little excessive. Unless it's like a family of like seventeen people, kind of defeats the purpose, you know. I mean, uh, uh, <clears throat> my meal is only going to cost me seven bucks, okay? So somebody else, a, a total stranger, bought it for me. But then, you know, again, I'm 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 supposed to be guilt tripped into turning around and spending thirty bucks for some other strangers. <laughs> mm, there you go. Well. It depends on how caring you actually are. But, uh, you know, the $30 is a hefty fine, especially for a restaurant like that. So that's kind of interesting. Sean, I appreciate it, my friend. But uh, get in a better mood. It's a, it's a good day. It's rainy, which means, you know what, it's a day to be excited outside. And it's it's over. It's almost 50 degrees in January and February. So I guess that's good news, right? Although it's just a sign of global warming. I am in a good mood. I just had to tell a funny story in case somebody else is having a bad day today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Sean, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Appreciate that very much. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Got to be in a positive mood. Got to be a little bit more uh, chipper, a little bit happier. So I uh, appreciate that as always. All right. So as we mentioned, COVID-19 cases reported smallest rise in the state of Kansas since the month of October is that good news or bad news? Are we testing? That's my question. Is Since the World Health Organization, the CDC, came out and said that we don't need to be testing nearly as much or we need to do a refined type of testing, then is it because, are we seeing the cases drop because we're not testing as many people or is it truly just because we're not 
having as many cases, but we're still testing uh, just as much. I'd be curious to see that. I don't know the number of tests that we actually have out compared to what we did then. So that would be kind of an interesting way to look at it. There were 61 new deaths all, uh, as well with 149 new hospitalizations in the state of Kansas. Overall, more than 274,000 cases and 3,700 deaths have been reported in the state so far. Overall, I mean, we're doing a lot better than many other states, which is really good news. So I just had to throw that out there. Uh, on the front of the state legislature, we are going to have uh, Brenda Landwehr, state representative. She's going to be on at the bottom of next hour, wrapping up hour number two as well to give an update. And we may get, we're trying to get him on. He's a busy guy. Ty Masterson, the Senate president. We're going to try and get him on the program. We'll see if he has a chance to call in today uh, or not. If not, we'll get him on one of these weeks or we'll record it sometime. We'll get him on the program because he's doing some really great stuff. But the big news from this week when it came to the state legislature, of course, was the state Senate passing the abortion bill that's going to be on the 2022 uh, primary election ballots. Yes, the primary election ballots, which means anybody who usually is like, eh, I'm not going to go to the primaries, I'm not going to vote in the primaries, I'm just going to go to the general election. No, you need to go and vote next year in 2022 for the primary election. The House of Representatives passed it last week. We had Dan Hawkins, the House Majority Leader, on the show uh, last week to talk about it, and they voted with all 86 Republicans voting for that one. This one, a 26-13 vote, I believe it was, for the U.S. Or for the state Senate this week after some potential shenanigans that was going to block it, but both of them voted with the veto-proof majority to go to, it doesn't even go to the governor's office, which is really nice. It goes right directly to the ballot for us in 2022, and what it does is it puts it on the ballot saying that the constitutional amendment is revised. If you remember last year, was it? Two years ago, the Kansas Supreme Court came out and made a decision saying that abortion was protected as a constitutional right by the state Kansas Constitution, which it's not. So all this bill does, it does not ban abortion. All this does is repeal that saying it is not a constitutional protection and that the state legislature would have the ability to decide the regulations or requirements on what would be deemed as appropriate for an abortion, the certain stipulations in order to get one or if they choose to ban it altogether. But this bill does not ban anything. All it says is that it is not a constitutionally protected right uh, from the state constitution and that uh, the the regulations, the requirements, the ability, whatever, would be decided by the state legislature. That's all this bill does. So it's an extremely important bill. They wanted to get it on the primary ballot because that way you can actually go and have your voice based on party affiliation. Because I think, I, I kind of like that idea. I kind of like, now the Democrats and the media kind of went off on them and got really angry about that, saying, oh, you just want the Republicans to vote for it without any opposition. Thing is, though, is that Democrats also have the opportunity to vote on it as well on their primary ballot. So everybody will have a chance to vote on the abortion bill in the primary. But what it does is it really kind of maybe holds a party accountable for their vote. The Republicans, most Republicans in the state legislature, or a lot of them, I should say, wouldn't have normally supported this one if it wasn't going into or directly after a really big election season. There are a lot of moderate Republicans, and we were able to weed some of those out uh, in this last election, which is good news. In the last primary in 2020, we were able to weed some of those out, but a lot of them still would have voted to not approve something like this because they're a little bit more on the more moderate side. 
But now we're holding them accountable, and we have to give kudos to the leadership in our state legislature with Dan Hawkins as the House Majority Leader, with uh, Blake Carpenter as the House Majority Whip, with Ty Masterson now with the Senate President, with Gene Solentrop, a leadership in the Senate as well. Like, they're doing some really great stuff, and they're holding the party accountable to be unified, which is something we haven't seen in the Republican Party, especially in the state of Kansas, in a really long time, is a unified vote and a unified message to really send to say we're working together to advocate for Republican and conservative agendas. What I'd really like to see is, hint, hint, wink, wink, state Republican Party, you need to be making some really staunch, really strong messages in support of what they're doing and taking a stand on the leadership as a Republican Party as a whole. Last week, we got a numerous amount of calls from individuals saying they're very frustrated with the Republican Party. They want to go to this new Patriot Party. They want to go third party. They're tired of the way the Republican Party's treating uh, Donald Trump and Donald Trump supporters. They just want to erase them off the map, even here in Kansas. Even here in Kansas, there was a little bit of leadership uh, messaging of uh, kind of going after some people from Kansas that went to the protests in Washington, D.C. Now, we're not part of the whole thing in at the, t- at the Capitol, but we're just part of the protests in Washington, D.C., a mile or so away at the Donald Trump rally. And because they were there, they got a little heat from some leadership in the state Republican Party. And that's not acceptable. That's not okay. We're a unified party. We need to be a unified party right now. We need to have Republican leadership come out and actually say, yes, this is our message, and we support the Trump movement. We support what Donald Trump did the last four years. We're going to continue on that legacy that brought 45 million voters to the polling booth over the last four years uh, uh, that won the first election in 2016 and brought 75 million votes into this last election. We can do this as a movement of conservatism to upset the establishment. That's the message the state Republican Party needs to have. Our leadership in the legislature is starting to do that, which is awesome. But the party as a whole needs to do that to retain those Republicans that are getting frustrated and feel like the election was stolen, to feel like that they're not being properly represented within the party, and that the movement that Donald Trump created is just going to kind of fade away off into the distance with the leaders that don't want that to be part of the Republican Party any longer. So state Republican Party, if you have any uh, messaging that you're going to put out there, Put out the message that you support the movement, you support the Trump supporters, that you support that conservative populist thing that started nationwide, and that we're going to rally with that, we're going to grow that base, and we're going to make it even stronger in the state to dominate and try and make us, I mean, because we have some long, heavy burdens to pick up here in the very short amount of time. We need to have leaders in the state legislature, which I think some of them are prepared to do this but to nullify some of the legislation and regulations coming out of the federal government. At the state level, to nullify and say, "Mm -mm, no, we don't want this anymore. We don't want to take your money. We don't want to take your regulations. We don't want to take your new program. We're not going to shut down if you tell us to do a nationwide shutdown. We're not going to do a mask mandate nationwide if you tell us to do one. We're not going to impose those rules in the state. And you need to have the ability as the state legislature to nullify those if that's what starts to happen. And the Republican Party as a state, the leadership in the Republican Party, Mike Kuckelman, chairman, and all those in the committee need to stand strong with that as well and say we support our legislators doing that. As opposed to that, well, we'd really like to see you just go along to get along. And, you know, that's not going to take it anymore. That's not okay. The voters, you right now that's listening to this program, you voters in the Republican Party or maybe independent because you're tired of the Republican Party, that's probably why you left the party, isn't it? That's probably why is because you're frustrated with that. So let's not allow that to 
disrupt the good movement we have going on right now. So we've had some good bills come through the legislature right now. We have great leadership in the state legislature right now. We need to continue that trend and to make some really good gains in our state legislature and hold the line when it comes to the imposing of power from the federal government coming into the state of Kansas and say, uh-uh, we ain't going to take that. Well, Governor Laura Kelly's trying to expand the Medicaid program and get more federal money into the state. We need to say, no, we kind of need to work towards being a little more self-efficient here as the state of Kansas. I know it's an unpopular thing in politics because you're losing out on a lot of money, but you know what? That's what we have to start doing because it's only going to get worse from here, in my humble opinion. Got to take a break as we wrap up hour number one. Really? Hour number one, it goes by way too fast. Flies right on by. Fastest two hours of radio in Kansas for sure, right here on the Big Talker, KQAM. Just a few minutes to the top of the hour, wrapping up hour number one here on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker KQAM, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK if you want to join in. By the way, as a reminder for you, <laughs> I love the efficiency of the Governor Laura Kelly administration. So the Kansas Department of Labor is going to be taking down the KDOL website at 2 p.m. today, and they're going to be going through about 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning, which means... Today, tomorrow, Monday, and then Tuesday morning, it'll be back up. They're working on trying to set up a two-step verification for you to be able to log into your account and file for unemployment claims in the state because they've had so many fraudulent claims. I've loved the evolution of the problems with the Kansas Department of Labor. And, of course, they're going to still try and blame Governor Bram, uh, Sam Brownback for all this, which she did at the very beginning, saying that the system was not set up for this many people to try and sign up for the system. So they've tried to upgrade their software and upgrade their systems. They tried to sink in a whole bunch of money, tried to hire a whole bunch of people because no one could get through, and they couldn't handle the amount of claims that were actually coming into the state at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Remember that? Then it was, well, we got the system upgraded, but now there's still so many people that we're trying to actually just process and catch them up because it's just too big. Now, you're not supposed to have... You're not supposed to have the uh, system set up to like really take on the entire population of the state of Kansas for unemployment. So that's kind of one thing. But as we've gone through this, now they're like, well, okay, the system's upgraded. Everything's working, but we're just having a massive amount of fraudulent claims. So now they're taking down the website. They're doing the two-step uh, verification system. So when it comes back up, you can, you can verify yourself and be able to have a little bit more security as you try and file for unemployment. At the same time, Kansas Department of Labor is getting a new labor secretary as well as the governor is uh, working to pick a new labor secretary because this is like the third one in however many long however long that we've actually had with this agency because they're just uh, taking the blame. I have to admit Dahlia Garcia, the Democrat former state legislator that was the head of the Department of Labor, and then she left just a few months ago, or I want to say like middle of last year during the summertime, because it just wasn't working well. She was kind of the fall gal for this one. Well, now Ryan Wright, who is the choice for Governor Kelly, is now leaving, and they're choosing somebody else. They just can't keep the right people in there, and they just keep being the fall people because there's so many angry people about the unemployment system that she's got to continuously, you know, change in leadership is really the best way to do that one is have turmoil and have people keep continuously coming in and transition to power when it comes to that agency plus taking it down so you're not going to get paid for the next few days if you're trying to file for unemployment or trying to receive cash from the unemployment system it's not going to happen because you know what the heck so that's going to be fun we'll talk about more of that 
here on the show in hour number two as well. Plus, we got some phone calls. Stay on the line. Plus, we have our interview with Secretary of State Scott Schwab. We'll do that when we come back. All coming up in hour number two of Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. It is hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us a Saturday morning here, trying to get you up and moving the way we do each and every Saturday here. Presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. It's Phil's Coins. They are open now until 230 this afternoon, also online at philscoins.com. Big second hour for you lined up here as we have an interview with uh, Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab. We'll play here in just a minute, plus State Representative Brenda Lind, where she'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour talking about the latest out of the House of Representatives. But let's kick off hour number two with a phone call with listener Troy here on the line here with us. Good morning. How's it going? Hey, good morning, Andy. Good morning. And, uh, Thank you for all you do. I have a grandson by the name of Andy, by the way. Uh, well, uh, it's a good name. I appreciate that. There we go. Happy amen. Saturday. Yeah. Amen. Hey, um, I just want to make one basic point. I yeah. want to say, I want to say fake election. Mm. Um, I hear a lot of people talking about we need to get more votes on the Republican side in the national elections and other elections. And sure, we do. Yeah. But until we get the fake election system fixed. There's no point in, in striving for more votes. And, and I hear even Republicans get on this narrative about getting more votes. Right. We had more than enough votes. Trump won, and we all know it. I, and, I uh, completely we, agree. I mean, we got 75 million people to show up to Election Day, and I think even more than that with the ones that we found in you know trash bins and lakes and stuff for the mail-in ballots. But, I mean, that broke any record for any election prior to for a presidential candidate. 75 million people. So you're right. I mean, there are so many people that are just done with the electoral system until we actually get it cleaned up. Good news is there are still 30 active lawsuits in the nation. One of them came back uh, that's kind of a victory force. It wouldn't change anything, but at least we had some victory with a judge that came back a day or two ago out of Virginia saying that the mail-in ballots that came in after Election Day are illegal and cannot be counted. Now, it's only maybe like two or 3,000 in the state, so it didn't do much, but at least we did something there. But we need to look at this. We need to clean up the system and know for sure that it's a valid, uh, uh, um, secure system for us to be able to move forward or else we're not going to win anyways, no matter how many people we actually show up to the polls. Absolutely, and I believe we probably even got 80 million votes. Yeah. Uh, we just got cheated. We got cheated, and we can't back down from this. We can't let the rhinos and, and the Dems sell this narrative, oh, you just didn't get enough votes. That's a bunch of BS. I'm sorry, but uh, that's what I believe. And that's what most of the Americans in this country believe. Most of we, the people, believe that and know that to be true. It's just a lot of them are too cowardly to stand up to it. Uh, we can't be cowards, and we can't be shy about this thing. We've got to stand up to it and put this narrative forth and not accept their narrative. They're wanting us to pass over this with their brainwashing media. Yeah. By the way, I have a song that I just recorded, and it's called Big Tech Media Propaganda. I'd like Ooh. to send that to you. I've tried to find your uh, 
your email, and, uh, and I can send it to you by attachment. I like that idea. I tell you what, stay on the line, and uh, I'll give you my email, and you can send that over because I would love to be able to hear that, and I'd play that on the show for sure. Uh, so stay on the line, and we'll, and I'll get you that information here in just a second. I love that idea. Absolutely, and you're absolutely right. The, right now, the Republican Party is at a crossroads on whether we just we just skate over it and forget all about it, and we just go on as business as normal, which it seems like a lot of the leadership and Republicans, uh, even in the state of Kansas, but nationwide, are really trying to do. Or we say, wait a second, there's an issue and we need to address it. We're not going to let up on this. We know there's an issue and we're going to address this no matter what kind of crap we get from Democrats or elites or the big donors or whoever that may threaten to pull out. We don't care. This is important and we need to address it. So we're at that crossroads. And that's when you and I stand up and we say we're not going to allow them to just skate over and let the party uh, do something that's not going to be beneficial for us in the future. So I appreciate that. Hang on the line. We'll get your information here in just a second. Uh, until then, I have, we sat down with Secretary of State Scott Schwab for the state of Kansas uh, talking about the election in the state of Kansas. How well did we do here? Plus the issue with Tabitha Lehman, our election commissioner in Sedgwick County, with her not being renewed for that position and small business during COVID-19 and moving forward in 2021. We sat down with and chatted about all that with Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab, and this is what he had to say. Secretary of State Scott Schwab with us. Scott, how are you, my friend? I am doing well. How are you? How is Wichita? Uh, Wichita is wonderful. It is a great, it's great to chat with you again, especially after everything that we've been through this last year with COVID and then with the election. I want to start right there with the election, with the voter turnout, with how you guys planned and really worked really hard leading up to election with the COVID, with the social distancing, with the extra security measures. In your mind, how did the election turn out for last year, and did we still get a good, decent voter turnout in the state, even with all the uh, ridiculousness that was? Yeah, we had record turnout as it relates to numbers of people voting. Now, as it relates to percentage, because we're a little bit more populated than we were decades ago, um, the rate wasn't as high as we ever had. But we had over 70% turnout, which is just absolutely remarkable. Wow. And it, it's a testament to people wanting to be engaged. And we saw high numbers of youth engaged in the election this year. And, and it, you know, back in the Vietnam era, you saw a lot of young people wanting to vote because you were 21 years old, you had to vote, but yet if you're 18, you could be sent to Vietnam. So constitutional amendment had changed and young, younger people got to vote. Well, a similar political dynamic that was happening in the state of Kansas is a lot of 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds had their sports taken away. And it wasn't taken away because of injury. It was taken away because of government. And so they wanted to engage in that issue. So we saw high numbers of young people registering to vote and really understanding that it's not just about the president of the United States, but these local races really do have an impact on your life. And I would say it has more of an impact on your day-to-day -day life than even the presidential race does. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the focus needs to be back down on the local politics, which we try to really emphasize. I mean, your city council, your county commission, even to your state legislature, I mean, it really does show the divide between state government and federal government where we should be focusing the majority of our policy decisions back at the state level because that has way more of an impact on you than the president signing an executive order. So that's the focus that I think a lot of people need to have. Absolutely. I, I tell folks normally when they want to start getting involved in politics, they say, well, I want to run for Congress because I want to change things. You're one of over 400 people. You're not going to change anything. <laughs> but if you really want to have an impact on your community, run for school board. 
Yeah. Those school board members affect more of somebody's day-to-day life than anybody in the U.S. Congress does. When it came to, uh, I mean, we saw a massive discussion nationwide about the, the, the fraudulent stuff going on in some states with the electronic voting machines. I know we don't use Dominion systems here in the state of Kansas, but when it came to those, did you feel confident that everything runs smoothly with both our paper ballots and electronic ballots? I mean, there were no concerns about issues here in the state when it came to some of that election fraud alleged uh, stuff that went on across the nation? Yeah, we didn't see anything in Kansas. And we do, I want to kind of correct you there. We do have some Dominion product that was authorized to the prior administration. But again, we had no issues. Um, Folks that are concerned about voting machines with touchscreens and whatnot, most of them print off, they print off a paper trail or a paper ballot anyway. So you don't have to worry about it just being electrons with no paper trail. But what we do, is we do a post-election audit, and so we do a random audit of a precinct before the county canvassers meet to make sure that every vote was, in fact, counted correctly. And all 105 counties pass their audits, so whether they were on an ES&S system or whether they were on a Dominion system or a hybrid of systems. Every one of them passed their audit. So when we signed as a state board of canvassers to make sure every vote was counted, you know, I was willing to put my signature on there because everybody passed their audit, which means every legal vote that should be counted was, in fact, counted. Very good. The way it should be. That's really good news. Now, I hear that the some of the state legislatures were also working on, uh, I guess, some other machines that maybe didn't have a paper ballot that printed off or at least a receipt of all the numbers. I mean, were there some ballots or some machines that still need that? Or, I mean, what was the legislation that they're working on in, I believe, is the state Senate? Yeah, and we, we weren't a part of that legislation, and we haven't seen the language, so we don't know exactly what they're asking for. But in Kansas, our voting machines have a paper trail anyway. There was a couple of counties that the paper trail was an encrypted receipt, but it was still a paper trail that the county canvassers and actually the bipartisan um, election workers could go through to make sure actually the ballots were counted the correct way. But with the new machines that most counties are going to, and a lot of counties got CARES Act money and improved their, their election equipment, it, it, it actually, like you down there in Wichita, it prints off a copy of your ballot. And I really like that system because it's a three-point verification. You got the ones and zeros verification that they can upload to our system so you get election results quickly on election night. We mm-hmm. like that. Two, it has an image of that ballot. So if you need to go back and look at it, you have a digital image of a ballot. And then, two, you have the paper ballot. So if there was somebody trying to hack a system in one way or another, in which our machines are never on a network, um, a lot of them are never even plugged in the wall. Some of them just run on battery. Um, but you have that, vi- that, that digital image. You have the ones and zeros count of it, the old binary count of it. And then you actually have a piece of paper. So, And people say, we well, can't hack a piece of paper. Correct, but you can spill a cup of coffee on it and ruin the ballot. Yeah. So we have three different ways to make sure a ballot is, in fact, counted correctly. Good. I love it. We're talking with Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab. Let's talk about the, it was in the news a couple weeks ago, I believe, about uh, a bill that you were talking about and presenting that's been in the works for a little bit about allowing people to be able to vote anywhere in the county as opposed to one specific precinct. Where are we with that? And do you think that's going to get through the legislature this year? It actually passed a few years ago. The holdup was the rules and regs on it. Is mm. The legislature charged us to write rules and regs just to make sure there's some consistencies and there's some checks and a plan B because that, that system is completely based on real-time um, check-in on the poll book to make sure if you vote in one center, you don't go across town and vote in another one. Well, what happens if the network goes out? What's your plan B? File that with us. We wanted to make the legislature want to make sure that we were looking at those plans before they launch. 
changed. We should have had those rules and regs out five months ago, but Commissioner Howell and the DNC and the Kansas Democrat Party sued us to say that we were stopping counties, which the court agreed with us. We weren't stopping counties, but the counties did just didn't want to move forward until they had guidance from the rules and regs that the legislature wanted us to provide. So we have provided those to the legislature. They've been signed off by the attorney general and the Department of Administration. We have public comments this month, but any county that's ready to submit their plan can submit it now, and they should be able to go with vote centers this August. Uh, I got to ask you about something as well here on the local front front is it's been in the news quite a bit lately tabitha layman our cedric county election commissioner the news was that you weren't going to be renewing her to be in that position after accessing the voter registration or voter databases from her home computer which is illegal and she knew that when she went into that uh, and that's made some news and uh, people are curious about your response to that issue is there any type of reconsideration there or have you moved through the process already to start looking for a replacement for tabitha well, she it's interesting because she asked us on a couple of times if she could access it from home, and we said, no, it's a hard no. Um, and, it, and folks, she was saying, well, she could be VPN to the county. Well, that's not the issue as a VPN, is it's the home network. To get to the VPN, you're using your home Wi-Fi, which, you know, my home Wi-Fi, my son gives that code to all his friends when they're at their house so they can play with each other on devices. And then also, you know, you don't, if you're downloading cookies and articles on a computer and then all of a sudden you access the voter database, does that cookie, is it malware that can attack our database? Which is why no clerk in 105 counties is allowed to access or election worker that from a home network because county networks are more secure. And all 105 counties understand that. No, that's not true. That, that, that is not the appropriate way. She compromised that knowingly and willingly after us told, telling her two to three times that not to do that. So it was complete insubordination. And it was a compromise of security. We don't know if somebody got access to the database. It could be one of those situations like solar winds that, you know, maybe in the 2024 election, something happens with the database and we just don't know for the next presidential election, which is our concern when people are accessing our data from an unsecure network, which is why we say run it from the county. And she knowingly and willingly did it. So we had the conversation. She acknowledged she uh, did it. She acknowledged it was insubordinate, and she acknowledged that she understood why she wouldn't be appointed. She wasn't happy about it, but completely understood. And she really didn't need access to that database to do her job because her job is more management and administration, not so much data entry. And um, But she did it, and she admitted, and she understood. So she sent us a letter saying she was not going to seek reappointment. And then somewhere something switched and flipped, and now she's frustrated with it. I don't know. We haven't had that conversation as to why. Hmm. But you can't say to the public, we do not tolerate compromises in data security, and then tolerate it. Right. No, I mean, that is a big concern, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances, and we encourage Tabitha to just take a leave of absence, but she was pretty adamant that she could do it. But if you can't do the job without compromising law and rules, then you really you can't do it. And to be honest with you, if Brian in my office accessed that database from his house, I would have suspended his access immediately, taken his key card, and escorted him to the garage. Um, we are in a place where North Korea, Russia, Iran, China are actively trying to access and manipulate that database. Yeah. We cannot take that security high enough. And had we been in, in Atlanta 
or Philadelphia with all eyes on us and they heard that somebody was accessing data from a home unsecured Wi-Fi network, that would be very disturbing. It would be disturbing for sure. I mean, it's it's a high concern that I think a lot of people have, especially after an election where we were concerned about potential voter fraud and, you know, people being on the registration list that aren't supposed to be and people voting numerous times. I mean, I think the voter integrity is the highest of importance. And I know you guys are taking that extremely seriously. Talk about the process then with uh, you're moving forward on finding a new count, uh, candidate. What are kind of the requirements that you're looking for? And do you have some people in mind for Sedgwick County right now? Yeah, we don't. So the way we do it, we don't. It, we try to keep it away from a political appointment and more like a new hire of capability. So the profile we look for is somebody who has local government experience, but yet understands project management. They have a peripheral vision to see that, you know, your attack may not be right in front of you. It may be coming from your side or from your six. And somebody who can lead projects, um, not necessarily someone who's good at pushing paper. I need somebody who understands interpersonal communication and relationships, can create a positive culture, and understand security, understand management, problem solving. And so the way we do this, we've done it in Johnson County. It worked well. We're doing it in Wyandotte County now. As we create a committee, it's my chief deputy, my elections director, and the human resources director here in the office. And they work with uh, the chair of the county, which would be Pete Meisner, and then um, whoever is head of human resources for the county. And we receive applications, and then I am completely removed from the process. Those five people interview and narrow it down from one to three candidates, and then I come in and interview them. I want to make sure there's consensus that the county is comfortable with who's being hired, as opposed to me just appointing somebody and telling the county, you're just going to deal with it. I want someone who has a good relationship with with that county, or else what we've seen in the past is if you just kind of dogmatically throw someone in that office who's a political loyalist or somebody who's just the person you think without having an ongoing search to make sure that that person's the right fit is the only recourse the county has is to cut the finances and resources for that office. Well, then all of a sudden you have compromise and breakdown in election integrity, and that's the last thing we want. Sure. Well, and I mean, that close relationship in the community is a really important thing. I mean, the county commission's already talking about, you know, were they going to introduce a bill in the legislature to allow the county to make the decision, but it sounds like they already have a really large handful in having a say in that process already. Yeah, and so in uh, in some of those county commissioners were actually like, well, we want to have more of a say. And I said, well, are you okay with this process we do? And they said, yeah, we are. I said, well, why don't we just take the process we're doing, and next year we can work, work towards putting in statute, and that way we're working together and not against each other. Because in those big counties, there is more financial incentive to compromise fraud, and it's not so much in legislative races as it is in those county commission races. I'll give you a raise, but I need you to find me 500 more votes. Right. Um, if it's somebody that we have a hand in that in that appointment process, it hold, there, it's just a checks and balances to make sure there's not a corruption. And really, at the end of the day, we want people to trust the election. They may not like the result, but they trust it. Right. You know, there's a lot of folks that, you know, a lot of Democrats aren't happy that Barbara Boyer lost. But nobody's coming up to me saying, no, she actually won and you all screwed it up. Sure. We haven't heard that from anybody. You know, we haven't heard it from, you know, whether it's 
some of the Democrats that won their races in close races. Nobody challenged those races saying, you know, you guys didn't do it right. In Kansas, I think there's a general consensus that the election results were, in fact, certified correctly. And if you can get Governor Laura Kelly and me to sign the same document saying this is right, then I don't know where that leaves room to argue. Talking with Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab, I know that's a big part of your job here, but I want to shift gears a little bit as we kind of wrap up here for the last few minutes. And I want to talk about, I mean, 2020 was kind of a rough year, obviously, with COVID for businesses, for the economy. Uh, Can you give us a little quick recap of how 2020 was when it came to many businesses, unfortunately, that maybe closed doors? And uh, do you have maybe a positive outlook in the new year here for a new business that may register in the state to be able to move forward and kind of regrow the economy again? Yeah, well, with the accountability that the legislature was able to give to the um, Emergency Powers Act and open up the state quicker than a lot of states did, like California is still closed. I don't understand how, how they can do it. But we did see an uptick in business filings. Now, there was a lot of non-renewals. Now, are those folks late or are they just those businesses went out of business and they just haven't closed their filing? That could take 12 to 24 months to process that. But right now, business filings are on the uptick. But on the when we were at the heart of the shutdown, and I would say we were actually in, in a, an economic depression. We were still processing about 80 new filings a day. Wow. So it does show you Kansas does have a pretty good degree of business friendliness. And, I, you know, I don't know if California was doing 80 brand new ones a day. Obviously, they're a significantly larger state. But why would you start a new business in California right now? Sure. Um, whereas in Kansas, because of the balances and in in what the legislature did to make sure there were checks and balances to protect business, people are relatively confident to start a new business in Kansas. And I think, you know, 2020 year had a little bit of a rough start, but I honestly think it's going to be a good year as we continue to move out of this thing. Well, and I love the process you guys have on the website as well. I mean, we opened up our business on your website with the Hoosier Media Network. I mean, we did that about a, not quite a year ago, probably about May or so last year uh, when we moved back here to the state. And I mean, you guys have a really smooth process, really easy process just to get everything all registered, get your uh, letter of good standing and everything right there on the website. So it's a really simple, easy process for individuals. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. You know, that's a lot of work from Katie in our office, Jennifer, who's the head of the business division, and Kevin, who's our IT guy. They have worked tirelessly to try to make that interface with the public as simple as we can. And if you are starting a new business in Kansas, you can go to ksbiz, and that's with a Z, dot Kansas, dot gov. And there is a a wizard that will walk you through how to start a new business or shut a business or even just create a business plan. But do you you want to be a partnership, sole proprietorship, an LLC, a series LLC? Those are questions your average new business owner doesn't know. It will walk you through and tell you where to go. Here's the nice thing. Hopefully by this time next year we'll be in finishing phase four. But if you want to be a restaurant and you fill that out, You don't have to go to ag to get your restaurant permit. You don't have to go to revenue to get your liquor license. You don't have to go to revenue to get your unemployment insurance. 
it'll all just start coming through you, and you only have to touch government once, as opposed to the seven independent silos. And that was a campaign thing we campaigned on back in 2018, and to see Jennifer, Katie, and Kevin start to pull that together with the ink board and Kick, which is a good Kansas company, it is really nice to see that it's actually something we can do and make it, I mean, I can't save your taxes, but if I can make it easier to do business in the state of Kansas, well, then we're doing our job. Yeah, I mean, everything being centralized right there and all the assets that every Everybody needs all the different links they need right there to be able to fill out is is super convenient. One of the last questions on this before we all right there it is. Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab. We appreciate that time. We had to cut that one off just a hair bit early just because we're out of time. So bottom of the hour news when we come back. State Representative Brenda Landwehr she'll be joining us to help wrap up the program plus some more your phone calls as we continue on trying to be aware of what's going on in the state of Kansas with the state legislative session and what's going on federally and what we can do here in our state. All that and more coming up here on Kansas Talk with the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here for the last half hour of the program. We're wrapping up today on a Saturday. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Darn right you are. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. The last half hour of the show goes by way too fast. I thought my one-hour show during the week was fast. Holy cow. We have a lot to get to, and we've got, covered a lot of ground already. We chatted with Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab that last segment. Had Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins in at the first hour. All of Kansas Talk is presented by Phil uh, Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Also online at philscoins.com. They are open until 2.30 this afternoon. It was a big week in the state legislature. Of course, we had the Senate pass the abortion bill, and it will now officially be on the 2022 primary ballots for everyone. It was passed in the House of Representatives with all 86 Republicans voting on it in the House of Representatives last week. That's big. That's big. Good golly. I don't remember the last time all 86 Republicans voted on anything together uh, with unity like that. So that's a big one. The Kansas Senate passed it this week. So that's big news on that front. But to talk about some of that and a heck of a lot more, by the way, I don't know if you saw or not, Dr. Anthony Fauci from the CDC says now we should wear two masks. Oh, man. And then, of course, the MSNBC individual that they were interviewing with said, well, maybe we should just wear three masks because then we'll be 90% protected from the virus. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, working on that one. On the line with us here, I'm excited to have her back on the program. It's been a while since we've chatted with her, State Representative Brenda Lind. Where Brenda, how are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing very well. It's good to hear you back on the air. I absolutely love it. I'm so glad to be back, and it's so good to talk to you, although I have to admit I have not been wearing my three masks all layered up together. Well, I don't <laughs> think that I'm going to go to two masks. I do. Uh, I tolerate the one mask as, as much as I can, and because, uh, you know, especially for us in Topeka, it's about making sure that we can keep our ourselves operating uh, 
yeah. and not have to go into quarantine. Missouri actually had to shut down here about two weeks ago because of quarantine issues. Yeah, that's a concern. I mean, you guys have a lot of things you need to address this year. To, so to have it shut down early would be a very bad thing because you guys are trying to play catch up from last year, plus everything we need to do this year. And the first two weeks proved that you guys have been nonstop uh, in the House of Representatives and the Senate trying to push some stuff. Now, of course, the media is only focusing on the fact that you guys are evil and won't expand Medicaid, that uh, you put an abortion bill on the primary votes ballots instead of the general election ballot, and, of course, you won't change Christopher Columbus Day. <laughs> well, there's been discussion about everything. You know, uh, I know the press doesn't want to talk about that. And as far as the uh, value them both amendment, mm-hmm. you know, this is a – Uh, a ballot measure that goes to the people of Kansas to decide if abortion is indeed a right in our Constitution. It does not ban abortion in Kansas. It assures that the current laws on the books are viable and enforceable. Well, it puts the power back into your hands as the legislature, doesn't it? It just says that it's not covered as a constitutionally protected right under the state constitution. But you guys as the legislature would have the choice to be able to set the requirements or the guidelines or the deadlines or whatever for that issue. But you're right. It doesn't actually ban abortions itself in the state of Kansas. No, it doesn't. And it's like, you know, during our debate on the House floor, someone said, well, how do you know how many babies are saved a day? How do you know that there's been a decrease in abortions with the legislation on the books? And so we went back and we pulled up the women's right to know legislation, which was passed back in, I want to say about 97, 98. And we had then, it was worked on by pro-life House member pro Tim Susan Wagle at the time, Senator Sandy Prager, who was pro-choice, and pro-choice Governor Bill Graves. But the legislation went went through bipartisan, flew through both, was signed into law. And we did see that having that 24 hours uh, waiting period and the availability of sonograms and education on abortion did indeed decrease it. And if this amendment does not pass by the voters, that women's right to know legislation currently on the books will be gone. Wow. Well, it's a really important bill, and I'm glad you guys voted. I'm really surprised that you got all 86 Republicans to to vote in unison on it. So that's a big deal in the House, isn't it? Well, it is a big deal, and I have to give a lot of credit of that with educating and talking with from our leadership team. Uh, Speaker Ron Reichman has just done an admirable job through the elections as well as uh, getting us prepped into the session. And we have uh, Majority Leader Dan Hawkins, who's from the Wichita area, uh, helping to back up Ron, and then we have our pro Tim uh, Blaine Finch. That uh, they just work to work together really great as a, te- a team to keep everyone communicated with and informed. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of other legislation that I want to talk about as well. This week, I saw you in the media actually talking about some of the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine. We've had some discrepancies between the reporting from the Kansas Department of Health and Environment and the CDC where the CDC still says that we're kind of like not doing well when it comes to distribution of the vaccine in the state of Kansas. The KDHE is saying that, well, it's just uh, different styles of reporting or different softwares of reporting, but we're, we're, we're distributing really well. It's doing great. We just don't have enough of the vaccine to actually get in here. So what's the real story? What's been the concern and are, how are we doing when it comes to COVID-19 vaccines? Well, we're not doing a, a very good job. And, you know, the first week of session, we had asked the the secretary to come over and visit with us and, and give uh, the Health and Human Services Committee an update 
That request was made a week and a half in advance. He had confirmed to come, and then the day before, he canceled. So the following week, we did put together a joint meeting with the uh, Senate Ways or Senate uh, Public Health Committee, which is the counterpart to the Health in the House. And he did finally show up, but he wanted to give a presentation. But instead, we went right into questions. And it the, the answers weren't there. We do know that a lot of it has to do with the lack of um, communication. Because we do have a, you know, a federal distribution, and then we have the state distribution. And the two of them are not communicating. And I'm not sure that our people have done a great job in even attempting to make sure that they knew what was going on. You know, we keep hearing stories about vaccines that have expired, and then I received two phone calls this last week that perhaps vaccines have actually been trashed. So we're trying to get verification on that. And as far as the um, CDC numbers and our numbers, it's interesting that other states are able to make this work. What is the problem with Kansas? So, you know, we're trying to pull uh, answers out of, uh, I guess, a turnip at this point, but we're not going to give up on it. How frustrating. It seems that, I mean, they're putting on this facade in the governor's administration that everything's going great. The KDHE and Dr. Lee Norman just, well, we're just not getting the vaccine in, but we're doing really, really good. And they they pride themselves on how well the distribution's going, but it just doesn't seem to be going that way. It's kind of like the Kansas Department of Labor, where things just not seem to be running very smoothly. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I tell you, you know, I know our leadership team because we have the uh, LCC and the State Finance Council that operates when the legislature's not in. And they've been, our leadership team has been on top of this, trying to get answers on a regular basis, and it's been difficult. So now the Department of Labor's had to appear before a couple of legislative committees, and there was a great article that was uh, Representative Sean Tarwater, who's chair of commerce, was uh, quoted in out of the Kansas City Star. And, you know, they're estimating, well, Sean is estimating that there's about $400 million or more that's been paid out in fraudulent claims. We have 1% of the population in the United States, but we have 9% of the unemployment claims. That puts us only second to California. Wow. Unbelievable. California. It blows my mind how crazy this is. Now, of course, are they still trying to do like the Sam Brownback just didn't invest in the agency? Therefore, this is why we're seeing so many issues, because that was the argument when we first saw this about a year ago when the pandemic first broke. Is that still the argument coming from them? Well, they keep blaming Brownback and it's like, okay, Brownback's been out of Kansas for two years. What have you actually done? What have you promoted? And people forget that Governor Laura Kelly was a senator before she was governor. You know, we've gone back and we don't see where she promoted to have money put into uh, the Department of Labor. Um, this system was in place uh, back when Bill Graves was was governor. We don't see where Bill did, Graves did it or <laughs> Governor Kathleen Sebelius did it or Governor Mark Parkinson. So there's been Republicans and Democrats. Yeah. And, you know, 40 plus years, the last time I checked, Bill uh, Brownback wasn't in governor 40 some years ago. So Yeah, exactly. Are you feeling comfortable with the steps they're doing right now as they take the website down today? It should be back up by Tuesday morning. They want to put in that two-step authentication process like Google and some other places have done for your email. Uh, they're putting in that sort of system to try and prevent some of the fraud that could potentially happen. Uh, do you feel comfortable with that? Do you think that's going to solve a lot of issues? 
I think it's going to solve some of them because a lot of other states have actually already done that, Andy, and we are, I think, the last state to even attempt to do it. Why it wasn't done before is what's been very, very frustrating to us. It's been frustrating for us to get emails from our constituents, and we cannot give them answers, and that is wrong because that's our job is to be able to provide answers. So we're going to hope that this reduces a whole lot of it. You know, a lot of legislators have had uh, uh, claims. I had a claim filed against me, and it was an address that was, uh, you know, two houses ago, Andy. So it's, you know, it's it's just ridiculous what's been going on. And for, for you know, I talk about Governor Kelly still acting like she is a senator in the minority party of the Senate versus one that is the governor that's supposed to lead the state. Mm-hmm. And when things go wrong, there's nothing bad about stepping up, Andy, and saying, hey, we've had mistakes, we've recognized them, and here's how we've corrected them, right. and I'm going to take the blame. But sure. no, she gets on her press conferences every week, along with uh, Lee Norman, who thinks that churches are like Jonestown Colts, sure. in his white lab jacket, and says everything's coming up roses, when indeed they are not. Yeah. And you can have hiccups on anything that's as massive as what we're dealing with, whether it's the unemployment claims, whether it's the vaccination program. Right. But at communication should not have any hiccups. Exactly. We're either professionals or we're not, Andy. Exactly. Let's go ahead and take a break here real quick. We're talking with State Representative Brenda Lander. When we come back, I want to talk about the uh, the Emergency Declaration Act as you guys passed that one. The governor did sign that. I want to get your thoughts on that as well, plus the other things you guys are working on in the legislature as well. It's Candace Talk right here on The Big Talker. KQAM, stay here. Nine minutes at the top of the hour. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Saturday morning is going by way too fast like they do all Saturdays. Joe Pags with the weekend coming up live right after us at the top of the hour. Right now we're talking with State Representative Brenda Landwehr as we talk about the latest out of the legislature. Let's real quickly talk about the emergency declaration order. It is extended through March now as you guys are trying to reform and talk about ways to do this for long-term pandemics like this. And I know that you guys limited the power on the governor. Again, she doesn't necessarily like that. She wants just the nice little blanket for the entire state. She did sign it, but did you hear any response of how she took it when she did sign it? Or was she a little grumpy? Did she just kind of expect it? What was her response when she ended up signing that bill? Well, she wasn't really really happy with it. But I think, you know, uh, it could have been a public nightmare had she not done it because it would have been uh, the loss of uh, millions of dollars in federal funds. So I don't know that she had an alternative. It is not the path that the legislature really wanted to take, Andy, just to extend that. But the KEMA, as we refer to it, the Kansas Emergency Management Act, is a huge bill. And we knew that there was no way for us to address all the individual items that need to be addressed by various committees in the mat in the timeline of two weeks right you try to rush something through with two weeks and you're going to have problems so now the individual committees you know such as things that dealt with some of the health care and different things will actually you know be coming to my committee judiciary will deal with what it needs to deal with um you know etc so we'll get something that you know we had in plan in place things for like you know flooding and tornadoes 
but nothing to deal with a pandemic of this magnitude. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's a whole different beast. Us. Well, it is. And, you know, one of the things that we're realizing, and, and we fought hard for this in the original bill, was to make sure that all companies had uh, liability release from uh, COVID situations. The ones that the governor did not want to give relief to was the nursing homes. And now the the thing that we're concerned with is how many of our nursing homes are going to uh, end up filing bankruptcy, which means we will have less nursing homes. And I think that if I had a family member in a nursing home at this time, I would be checking the financial viability of that nursing home and letting their legislator know that their mom or their dad or aunt or uncle may not have a place to live in if this does not get corrected. Sure. No, absolutely. I mean, that's a major deal right there. Are we doing well when it comes to the nursing homes, long-term care facilities? I know that a lot of them are starting to get the vaccine, but with the distribution issues that we've had, are most uh, long-term care facilities and nursing homes vaccinated now or at least having the opportunity to do so? Are we doing better on that front? Well, there is some. Now, the the long-term care facilities was actually handled by the federal government. So those vaccines were delivered to CVS and Walgreens to work with the long-term care facilities. The problem is the definition of long-term care facility is not as simple as some people might think it is because we have different types. You know, example, you could have a long-term care facility that's for four residents, and they weren't not on the list. So we're trying to find out which ones we have got covered, which ones we have not got covered. And people do have the right to refuse the vaccine, and that has been the case in some areas. Sure, absolutely. we got just a few minutes left here. Before we let you go, State Representative Brenda Landwehr, I know one of your main focuses that you focus on is, of course, the mental health issues, getting more mental health opportunities in the schools and public schools right now. Have you been able to work on that a lot more, especially with the increase in mental health issues during the pandemic with financial strains and job loss and, you know, the quarantining and isolation that we've seen? Uh, We've definitely seen an increase in mental health, anxiety, depression, that sort of stuff that's going on right now. Has there been any talks or any focus on that in the state legislature right now to try and attack those issues or at least bring some awareness to it? Well, actually, there is. We did have an interim committee that was put together by our our legislative and Senate leadership to form the Mental Health Modernization Task Force, and which I had the privilege of chairing. And we we came in with about a 160-page report. We've got about nine different items that we see as a priority to start with that we can either easily get past or is affordable for us to pass. Uh, We are just now starting to get some of those bills. Probably the biggest bill in that will be the telehealth bill that we're trying to work on to make sure that we still have availability for mental health and other health care services. There was a lot of talk during that committee about integrated care, which means that you've got to tie the health care along with the the mental health. Mm-hmm. We did have a report uh, from the school districts and our CMHCs and some school districts across the state on the status of the K-12 mental health pilot program. And, you know, even during the pandemic, those people did due diligence. They were out there continuing to make sure that the majority of those kids that they could reach were indeed getting their services. And uh, I had to tell the conferees, I said, you know, I just knew at some point you were going to make me cry. And the last person that testified was a principal that told a story about a a young boy that had, uh, you know, indicated possible suicidal thoughts. 
and they were able to prevent him from doing it. He had actually brought in Starbucks coffee and provided a note for each one of his teachers to say goodbye. Wow. So uh, the program is working, and Andy, we have saved so many lives. It's absolutely incredible, and I get goosebumps every time I get to thinking and talking about it. Yeah, well, it's good to hear that a program is actually working, that we can actually save lives with that. So that's good, especially right now in this time. That's exactly what's needed, so we appreciate that very much. They represented a Brenda Landwehr. It's always good to talk to you. Keep up the fight there in Topeka because it's a crazy year. Hopefully you guys can get everything done that we need to. But let's get you back on the show again here in a few weeks and uh, recap a, a little bit more. Andy, I'm available for you anytime. I appreciate everything that you do trying to get the message out there, an honest message and not just a slanted message. So thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure. We always appreciate you coming on the program. We'll do it again here real soon. Until then, that does it for us today on Candace Talk. We'll do it again next week. We'll have some more fun then. We have a lot of great guests already lined up, ready to go for next Saturday. Plus, make sure to catch our show 8 p.m. weeknights here on the KQAM for the voice reason, our national broadcast of the show as we grow by leaps and bounds each and every day. Joe Pags live with the weekend coming up here. At, uh, after the top of the hour news here on the Big Talker KQAM, I'm Andy Hoosier. It's Candace Talk. Everybody have a great weekend.